Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, my friend Kyle and I are reading Batman Earth One Volume 2 by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. This is actually the second episode in a three-part series, reading through the trilogy of Batman Earth One. So make sure to tune into next week's episode to hear our thoughts, and if you're not caught up, you may want to go listen to last week's episode to hear our review on Volume 1. Just a warning, there are going to be full and complete spoilers for Batman Earth 1 Volume 2 by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, so consider yourself warned. And remember to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Cameron Reads Comics, and make sure to clobber the like and subscribe buttons, as well as leave me a 5-star rating and review on iTunes. The Riddler has arrived in Gotham, and he's terrorizing the city with his own twisted brand of anarchy. But why is he attacking now, and what is his endgame? The Riddler isn't Batman's only problem, as Killer Croc is on the streets and his violent crimes can't be ignored. Meanwhile, the Dark Knight has trouble reconciling the increasingly conflicting ideologies of Alfred Pennyworth and James Gordon in this gripping reimagining of the Batman mythology. Alrighty, Kyle, welcome back to Camry's Comics. Another week and another like very fresh take on how's that, how how do you feel already going into volume two of this series and like having a better retention of what you just read? I feel good, man. Uh I will just say this right here right now. I liked this book better than the first one, and so it's a good thing when it's going up. You know, especially when it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, any of the sequel is never quite as good as the original. It, or, I don't know, never. I feel like, actually, I think about that a lot, and I like the sequels a lot more, because I'm, if I'm usually familiar with the backstory, I only need to see it once, and I'm like, okay, good. But now it's like every Spider-Man movie, we need an origin, and I'm like, let's all just calm down. I'd agree. There we go. You know what? Talking about Spider-Man again on a Batman podcast. <laughs> it's going to happen next week, too. <laughs> it better not. <laughs> um, okay, Kyle. So, really, immediately, what were, you, what were your thoughts on Batman Earth 1, Volume 2? Just, like, what did you think? Man, it it it's fast-paced. This one, um, you know, this one's pretty fresh on my mind, and for some reason I'm blanking on the first one. But this one seems like it takes place over the course of, like, a couple days mm-hmm. maybe or maybe or maybe not and the first one seemed like it was kind of drawn out a little bit more yeah yeah um okay. so this you, one yeah. ju- this one jumps right in and gets going right away so and it really picks up where the last one left off because if mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure the last page of the last one was literally riddler's like sewer hideout with all the question marks on the screen yeah he was getting ready um, so actually, how do you feel there? There's some things that this book picked up and left off. And, you know, I, I didn't realize this is almost, I, 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 this is my only second time reading this one. And so it's almost like it was my first time reading it again, because, uh, I don't remember when, the, when this book came out, but it, it was like, 
I, I only read it when it came out. So as I find that out, it's it, so it was like picking up where I left off and there's uh-huh. so much I didn't remember that went on. And oh my gosh, actually, I want to bring it. I want to bring in another point too. We were talking last week about bat suits and like what we prefer. I like the yellow circle, but this suits like yellow insignia. I don't think this suits my favorite suit, but that look just like, you know, chest up absolutely 110% like one of my favorites if if i'm going for the yellow logo that's my favorite yellow logo yeah it was great and bruce seems uh a little more like he knows what he's doing in this one yeah so it helps out there's definitely a few pages like one that comes to mind is when he's fighting um killer croc yeah yeah you know that that's like a three page uh thing of just splash pages and they're tussling it out tussling it out and Boy, Batman looks good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, that's I like. Uh, I like Killer Croc. I like. Uh, there's so much. There's so much that you know, and I didn't realize how kind of meta this was, and that's why I'm like very again so grateful we read this like back to back to back because by the time I'm I'm really excited to read the third one because I'm just I'm, I have I've never read that one so yeah. seeing where that's gonna take place but. Even even like to what you're saying, if you recall, the opening scene of the first volume was Batman chasing a dude and then not making the jump. And then in the, it's not the opening scene of this one, but like where we pick up with Bruce, he's doing the exact same thing yeah. and he makes the jump and it is so cool. Yeah, and he makes it. It's beautiful. And I don't know what it is, like how Jeff Johns grounds the world in this series, but I just thought that was so wonderful and magnificent. Mm-hmm. It was just like so true to the character, but also like so grounded in realism. Um, I actually, I, I think I texted you when I was reading that. We texted over the weekend just for a second, and I think we mentioned like one or two things. And I think the thing I mentioned was when Alfred's telling him to just basically, oh yeah, toss toss a couple guys over the edge. Doesn't matter if they die. Like you want to scare people in Gotham leave a few in a body bag and yeah, uh, that's something we were talking about that's right where it picks off with alfred he's like yeah. basically telling batman to kill some people he's like you know how there's like five people to fight what if there's two less <laughs> you know? like because you murdered them yeah. i'm like dang alfred uh i don't know how i feel about that take but <laughs> i like you know I, how's this i don't think it's wrong because alfred in this series is almost kind of like whispering in bruce's ear about like you know, I am sure Bruce has those thoughts to himself and we could we could use someone on on the hero's side that's kind of pro that I think that is a more grounded realistic take. And so yeah. Alfred being that character, whether or not I agree with that being Alfred's choice, you know, I it works here. I thought about how interesting it was that Alfred was the more radical person with like a pairing with with Batman. Where how so many people, if they're paired up with Batman, usually Batman's more more on the brutal side and more yeah. on like the let's get this done no matter what side. So it was kind of interesting seeing like the the contrast there. You know what this series also surprises me too because it never fails to make me see Bruce Wayne as a crazy person. Yeah, I'm always. Like, and, and it's only like in these exceptional like Earth One takes and also, oh my gosh, the... There's some things I realized because this one's so realistic, but I've realized that we take it for granted, uh, which is just like, you know, for me, it's it's the scene that stuck out the most, and we're just going to bounce around, or at least I am, 
when when he instead of the bat signal, he hands uh, Commissioner Gordon the, the, the cell phone. phone. Yeah, the phone. And he's like, he put a he put a bat on it too. And I was like, <laughs> damn. I was like, I never even thought about that, but that is so dumb. Yeah, like, super dumb. It's super dumb, but it's also so like I. If you were to take that at face value, that's exactly what would happen. I mean, mm-hmm. that would definitely go through someone's head, and I just loved it so much. Literally, the bat phone. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're right. Why wasn't it red? Because that's how it is in the series. Of course. Okay, now, now that that just knocked this book down. That's it. It's a zero. Okay, well, uh, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Um, how did you feel? Okay, it, the book opens with the writ. Or uh, actually, there's two notes I wanted to say. The book opens with the Riddler. It's a Riddler scene or scenario. And um, it's, and this is how nerdy I am, but hopefully other people who read this caught it too. But it opens and there's an elevator and it's the elevator lights and it's the numbers or like it's the buttons on, on the interior of an elevator. And the first number they hit is 27. And then the second number they hit is 39. Do you have any idea why those are the numbers? No, tragically. This is how... I'm like, ooh, I love that. 27, uh, Batman made his first appearance in Detective Comics, number 27. And it was the year 1939. And so that's why the second number was 39. And I was like, that is so fun. (laughs) I was like, this is, I'm like, I love that. (laughs) I guess I'm like, that's like a special little secret between me and Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. And I just love it. Yeah, you got to wonder how many people actually saw that. I'm sure it's probably one person saw it and posted on Twitter like, hey, did you see this? Oh, yeah, literally. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's... Is that where you saw it? No. All right. I'll believe Kyle. you. I believe you. I believe you. I believe oh, you. gosh. You're calling me <laughs> out. Dang. Um, But yeah, so I that was a very special moment for me. Um, And then I think that. Well, let's just get into the Riddler stuff because mm-hmm. that's kind of where it opens up. And I think this take on the Riddler is very interesting. What did you think about him being the villain? Well, I guess, I guess I'm used to like the the traditional Riddler of him being like a total like goof, yeah, and nut and in the green suit with the question marks all over him, and he yeah. just always kind of seemed like a joke. You know, where it's like, oh, it's a riddle. Batman may or may not figure it out. He'll save him. It's all good. But, I mean, this this Riddler was dark, was a psychopath. Yeah. You know, like, there's literally, there's literally a whole situation where Batman, he gives Batman a riddle to save all these people on a subway. And Batman gets it right. Like, he nails it. Yeah. Like, right away. He's like, all right, I'm going to play your game just please don't hurt these people. And then he just goes, you're right. Blows up the subway anyway. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a completely different, obviously everything in this whole series and take is different from a bunch of different traditional Batman stories. Yeah. But it's still just like, you have that moment going into it where he got it right. He saved the day. You did it. Yeah. Next page. Nope. Blew up the subway. I, I, I think that is something that stuck out to me so much about this take. And, and especially with the Riddler. Cause I'm like, you when when and I hate to be this guy. Like I know how narrative is supposed to be or how, what, what plot means da, 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 But I'm like, I think that Jeff Johns kind of really recognized the idea that like when 
the Riddler makes, you know, when, when he threatens something like that, he kind of makes the audience a promise. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, like this thing, there's potential. It, it, he like laid a seed. And so uh, there's almost this like promise that he needs to pay off on that in some sort of way. And I think that if the Riddler was actually like a devious supervillain like this, I think that's what actually makes him scary is that it yeah. doesn't matter. And I think, I think that's a perspective that is, shown to the Riddler. And I think that's probably honestly between there's only like two Riddler stories that I love because I haven't read many, but also this one is just like the absolute perfect take for me. It's like this Batman earth one volume two Riddler. And then I don't know if you ever read Batman zero year. I don't think so. It's a Scott Snyder, uh, new 52 Batman story, but it's like year one, basically it's or it's called zero year, but his take on uh, Riddler is really good too. Those are probably my top two takes on the character, like to give him credibility or at least what gave him credibility mm-hmm. in my eyes. Um, and this one, I just love that. Cause I think, I think the point is yes, Batman's smart enough to know the riddles and, and we've seen that story play out before and he's not foiled. The threat is Riddler's, that's that is his superpower and that's what makes him scary it's not because we we know batman's as smart if not smarter than him and so that's not the thing that we need to be afraid of oh no he's in control of the stakes the entire time and that's the scary part and i think that's what this story nailed yeah Uh, it's interesting thinking about last week how we talked about uh penguin Mm -hmm. and how we both kind of like personally like penguin yeah you know, like going into it, we both like him. And then going to this one, we don't really know much about Riddler, like yeah. as much about Penguin or Joker or any of the other villains. Um, but we both like this story better. Yeah. And we, I think we probably can both agree that the writing and how Jeff Johns chose to write the Riddler in this made him the best villain so far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it makes me so glad that I don't have to feel like I have to wait. It. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't have to wait another six years because right. that's how long that I think. I don't know if I said it earlier. This story came out in 2015, and it is now 2021, and they finally have the third installment. And so I just think uh, it's so interesting, and 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 the take on Riddler. I'm just so fascinated. I think I really do think that we are going to see a scene like that in the Robert Pattinson Batman movie mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, that's the scariest thing you could do yeah. is like have him set up a stake and then it not matter. To- there's a, there's a panel in this kind of the one thing I kind of felt it the whole way through that. Okay. Like this is a much darker Riddler. This must be what we're getting in that movie. But the one part that like really stuck out to me that I'm like, Oh, that's like a direct, like taking from for the movie it was in the trailer but was literally the note left yeah. for bruce in in the house during the trailer is the same note that was left for i'm, I'm blanking what's uh is it jessica dent yeah it was that was left for her in this uh book oh it was the same thing yeah i even know what do you uh off the top of your head do you know the riddle no Sorry. No, it's okay. We can look it up. I'm trying to find it. Actually, now. Oh, in the trailer or? Yeah, you said it was the same one though. I don't know if it's the same exact riddle, but it it's the exact same like taking papers from magazine clippings and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's similar. You know, that's from yeah. What? 
What does it say? Okay, I found it. In the new Batman trailer, the Riddler leaves a card with the question, what does a liar do when he's dead? And then I think I... Okay, well, my guess is he lies because he's laying down when he's dead, but that's just me. What does it look like? It looks like this. I can't describe it to you. It's almost Zodiac-esque, but... Oh, I must be wrong. I don't know. You know what I've that's definitely from? recognized this. Want to know what that's from? It's freaking... <laughs> Jim Carrey's Riddler. Oh no! You're like, hey, it has. That so you're technically sucks. not wrong. A, a live action Riddler has done that. That sucks. Cut this out. <laughs> I'm not going to. No. Um, actually, but you did. That's tra- tragic. You did make a great transition point, and that is to uh, Jessica Dent. That is a brand new character. At least it, that's what I was going to ask you. It's, I, I I have no exposure, and I love Two Face. I read a lot of Two Face, but I have no exposure to her other than this story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think she's a brand new, uh, brand new character for this universe. And I thought she was going to be like femme fatale, like Rachel. Like she was just going to die. I thought I was mm-hmm. like, oh, she's just going to die in the story. And that was how I was reading. I was like, okay, like cool. There's romance or da da da. They they have shared history. Cool. Now when she's going to die? That's mm-hmm. the way I was thinking about it. But I really, I want to ask you, how do you feel about her and Harvey being twins? And like, we, we had an allusion to their past in the first volume, which was nice to see referred to in this one. But how did you feel about uh, that, that relationship and even the introduction of Harvey? Um, I liked it. I think, I think it's a cool um, writing choice. I, di- I didn't think it was necessary to anything but um you know i i think it gave bruce and harvey like much more of a connection that i'm ever used to really feeling rather than them just being the polar opposites of going about the justice system uh like in traditional takes but no I, i like the i like the the romance drama of it being the protective brother and yeah you know like the billionaire playboy that she's evidently still crushing over, even though she's mayor. Yeah. Um, so I think I like the dynamic. There's a couple things. Number one, I think that they almost made her like the Andrea Beaumont type. Like, uh, uh I don't know if you're reading Batman Catwoman right now. Oh, uh, well, uh, or if you've ever seen Batman mask of the phantasm, the animated movie, of course you had me watch that. Andrea Beaumont is yeah, the yeah. phantasm. I kind of see that vibe with Jessica Dent mm-hmm. and I really like that kind of almost, it's an, it's a tie-in, um, but I think what really got me was uh, her being her being a twin with Harvey. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely think that's one of the most brilliant choices ever. And not that I I don't think I ever will, but not that I'll ever write Batman. But if I did, because he I just I don't even have a Two Face story like in my pocket. But mm-hmm. that'd be the one story I'd want to write. It's just like a a, a very a brand new take on Batman and two face. Um, but I would include her in it because, yeah. because I think that would be, I think I was thinking about it this week. If I was to write, I'd actually want to do two face number one. I'd want to write the penguin story because I just think again, here's my take, but I think penguin should be Kingpin of Gotham. I said it last week, so mm-hmm. it's not spoilers, but I'd lean into penguins relationships with his parents and be like, why and how did that happen? And then Harvey, I'd just be like, Oh yeah, I had a twin sister and she she fled to Europe and now she's back. I just do something like that and I'd bring her into the canon universe because I think that is the whole thing about Two Face. The gimmicky part is that he's obsessed with the number two and so he'll always rob a bank for, or two banks for two million dollars each. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just be like, 
that guy and I'm okay with that. And so him being a twin, I, oh, I just wish I thought of that. You know, I, when I was reading it, I knew that I hadn't seen that character before, uh, before reading this, but she was written so well and it fits so well that yeah. it really made me question like, um, is this like the way it actually like is? And I just hadn't been reading these normal Batman stories. Like, I think yeah. that's how well it fit into this whole narrative. Yeah. And I think that's how that's, that's the best kind of stories. And especially with an else world is like, they, they give us a take and we're just like kicking ourselves. Cause why, why didn't we think of that? And yeah. so, this one being that take, I'm I'm totally okay with, and and I think she's a great introduction, uh, a great character. How do you feel about Harvey's origin being tied into this? Because I I, I also think I liked him being a dick. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, I'm I'm either or. I'm like, yeah, he can be a dick because he does eventually become a supervillain, so like that's fine with me. But uh, with him. And Bruce having shared history since they were younger. I'm also really for like Bruce him like BFFs. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but him being a jerk to him as a kid and then still never liking Bruce, that's fine with me. But him also being a badass DA, again, go, going about the justice system, I was, I was for. So how did you feel about his origin tying into this story? Um, You know, I think the only part I didn't like with Harvey, I, I I do like his whole. I like his history with Bruce. Um, I like that he was, uh, just protective of his sister, evidently. But, um, I, I just didn't like when he had the whole like random like blow up on uh, Gordon and oh yeah and Bullock. Um, that that part just kind of seemed out of the ordinary, uh, for that character for me. I I don't I like when he's more of the like reserved Harvey where I, I like that he could be reserved and protective, but not j- just be like a complete ass yeah. in front of the police captain and two detectives. Yeah. So. I also in my head too pre commission, I think this is standard and in Canon, but I just love that commissioner Loeb is like the one before Gordon. I'm like, and not, I don't think it's a reference to Jeff Loeb because I'm pretty sure that was official in a uh, Batman year one by Frank Miller. But I just, in my head canon, he's named after Jeff Loeb. Yeah. And that is just, that works real, for me. I'm like, that's all I want. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm I think I, I was, this isn't my favorite take on Harvey Dent. Like I don't mind it. And like, you know what I mean? I'm all for the changes. Like if, if, if there's changes and there's differences, but you can like make them work like just like, like Jessica Dent. Every reason they gave Harvey to me to be a dick, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, whatever. Like, he, maybe I could use a little bit more reason for him not to like Bruce, other than Bruce's lineage. Like, yeah, I, he, I guess he, I guess he could have been. I mean, I, I'm getting the sense, like, obviously, we're both pretty indifferent yeah. to most of what he does. Where I guess maybe that could have been, that could have been better. Like, he could have been more of a make or break it type of character. Yeah, where he is in other stories, but yeah. There eh. wasn't, I think, I think honestly, I think that's what we're going to see with volume three. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of how I always feel about Harvey Dent before he's Two-Face is like, you can do whatever you want to do, <laughs> but I just want to see you become Two-Face yeah. and mess with Batman. <laughs> that's funny. Um, Okay. Let's, let's talk about some of the characters that we had known in the last book that, you know, we're seeing now. So how do you feel about where Harvey Bullock picked up? Um, the first time we see him is he is in a bar drinking. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was this story, right? Where yeah. they get into the fight at the pool hall. Yep. Yeah. Very beginning, and it was one of Harvey's informants. Yeah, I mean it. Or Harvey Dent's informant. Where where he is, I think, makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Uh, dealing with everything that happened, everything he saw from like the birthday boy in yeah. that that last, uh, volume, you know, like, um. Barbara Gordon moved away like she had to leave mm-hmm. makes complete sense to me. I'm like, oh, and, and she went and got a computer science degree. Yeah, that's so like, cute. I was like, my little <laughs> oracle. Um, Like, I like when things make some sort of sense, you mm-hmm. know, like Barbara Gordon, that made sense. For Harvey Bullock to be at a pool hall wanting to drink himself away after what he witnessed in the yeah. first volume, like, that just makes sense, you know? Like, I think there's a reason why a lot of times, like, police officers and firemen, like, sometimes have drinking problems. It's, they see a lot of stuff that's awful. Yeah. And that, that's not for the weak of heart. And, and so for, for that character to be at the, the pool hall, just wanting to have a drink, (laughs) it's, it, it was sad that he was technically on duty and didn't know oh, uh, that, that part hurt yeah, that's, kind of, that's kind of tragedy though yeah um but that's like that's right exactly where i expected to see that character yeah it, like i remember I, I don't know how how we talked about him or our first impression of him in this one i think we we, we said we thought he was harvey dent but when it comes to this bullock i'm just like Oh man, like I was like, I don't know. This is almost too far from the source material for me for that bullock. And then, oh no, it's actually a lot closer. Mm-hmm. And that was the best take, and yeah. I just loved it. And I like how I like how it was also a recurring theme. Yeah, and and we did get that great moment of of Gordon saying, "Hey, you're a clock. You're a cop. You're always on the clock. Like, come come help me. It's 10 yeah. p.m. and I need you." And then he's looking at the glass of alcohol that is full, and he puts it on back on the table without mm-hmm. finishing it. And I was like, "That." So let me grab my coat. Yeah, I was like, that was such a perfect like beat. I was like, that's a. I think also Gordon. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get as much Gordon as I would have liked in this story. I think, but him, him being the light in the beacon for Harvey because Harvey, I guess was the beacon for him or a beacon for him in the last story. I, I, I was really down for, yeah, I really just, I really like Go- the Gotham city police department. I just think there's so many stories that I think there should be an ongoing for just the Gotham city police. And even again, for Metropolis, the daily planet, I'm just like, give me those stories. Like I love them all. So, and Greg Rucka has to write all of them. That's just another little note that everyone needs to know. He writes the best supporting characters. I'll just say it. We all know now. Oh my gosh. By the way, if we're allowed to talk about Spider-Man on the Batman podcast, (laughs) let me just mention that I read in one sitting Greg Rucka's the first volume of his Wonder Woman run. There's like three volumes out. It was amazing. Okay. And he writes the best Batman Diana fight ever. So there. I have a question for you, Cameron. Yeah. Who is your preferred romance with batman oh uh, i don't know i think it's catwoman's great i don't know i think i need a good tragic one but i just don't know if i loved the the bat wedding like i like that they ended up together i like that in the long run they end up together but i'm just like batman you know this is gonna sound bad because it's not like overtly sexual but i just think that batman is destined to be alone with alfred yeah 
I think that is exactly who he is. And, and that's how he is in Batman beyond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's as much as I'd love him and Selena to have Helena and, you know, do the whole thing. I'm just like, no, I think that he's kind of, it's like, it's like Peter Parker again. You know, if stuff's working out in Spider-Man's life, if Spider-Man's doing great, then Peter in his interpersonal life is doing terribly. And if it's the other, it's always the other way around. So mm-hmm. if Peter's doing great, Spider-Man's having a rough go. And I think that needs to be Batman because that's what he chose for himself. So it's like Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is the mask. And so like Batman can't be happy because he's fulfilling a promise that he made on his parents' grave. And that's what, that's what he chose for himself. Mm-hmm. And the way I describe the, there's something socially off about him. Like, and I think that again, tying into the story, we can see that he's a weirdo. Like he's, he, he's a crazy person and he can't relate to people. And I think the best way I ever saw that was in the, my favorite Batman, modern Batman writers take Peter J. Tomasi in um, Batman and Robin, the new 52 run. He, there's a, there's a moment where he's trying to relate to Damien. It's, I think, the first arc of the series. And, and he says to Alfred, Alfred or, or what does he say? Alfred says to him, he's like, you know, Damien's like really upset with you. He's like, he, he doesn't think you're proud of him. I think it's the, either first or second arc. And he, sa- and he says, uh, well, because Damien does something and Batman says, oh, like your actions were commendable. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Alfred's like, have you ever told him that you're proud of him? And, he, and Bruce is like, I told him his actions were commendable. Like what's what more can I say? Mm-hmm. And, and, and him not understanding the bridge of, I need my father to tell me he's proud of me and not being able to relate to that and thinking in some sort of roundabout Batman way that you did a, like he, Batman, Batman's way of complimenting you would be like, Hey man, you didn't do terribly. And that's, <laughs> that's the compliment. He's like, I had the bar set way lower. Cause that's who he is. I think that's the way he relates to people. And so like, I don't think Catwoman and him work in that same way. Uh, so I guess <laughs> eternally, I think it's him and Alfred, but like <laughs> if I was to choose a woman, I'd say Selena Kyle, because I also think that him being so morally, ju- morally justified, but ending up with a, you know, yeah, she's an anti-hero now, but she's a criminal. Yeah. She still steals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, him him and him having a fortune and ending up with a thief is just so right no. i don't know there's just something so right about that and so i think that's short answer selena long answer is alfred um longer answer is damien surprisingly beautiful <laughs> what what about you what's your take um i think i'd agree i i think i think my like perfect batman like long term story is always has like Selena Kyle like coming back to him they're always working together here and there you know like they have on and off times I I like when he has like some random old rich flame come back into his life (laughs) but then they end up just being the worst yeah um as we've mentioned a couple times already um so yeah I, I think I'd agree I when you influenced me to watch Batman Beyond and I saw him and he's just like alone himself in his mansion. That just makes that just makes sense, you know. Like, yeah, Batman's supposed to be this huge selfless thing to take on 
the complete impossible, which is somehow clean up Gotham, which is just the worst place. A completely impossible task. It's never going to happen for the long run, but he chose to make that his life's goal and that's his life's work. So there's just no there's just no way that a long-term romantic partner can be a part of that. Sorry. Yeah, and also too, I think one of the major things is you're kind of giving up a core thing of Batman or at least a new a modern core aspect of him which is Bruce doesn't trust anyone. And so for him to kind of dismantle his armor, I think that's why it needs to end in tragedy. You know what I mean? Always. Because yeah. it reminds him he can never trust anyone. And the, this thing, the only other person that can be in his life is Alfred because... And, and I think if Alfred had the choice, and maybe, maybe I may be steering too far off the tracks right now, but if Alfred had the choice, I don't think he's there for Bruce. I think he's there for Thomas and Martha because he loved those two and every night it breaks his heart to see what their child has become. Mm. You know what I mean? And he, he, he doesn't save Bruce quite for Bruce. Yes. That is his father for all intents and purposes. But like he, he, he does it for his friends that he loved and he misses to like take care of their son because that's his son now. You know what I mean? It's like Bruce. I don't think Bruce wants Alfred around as much as he needs him around. Right. You know what I mean? And, and whether or not Bruce comes to terms with that, I don't know. It's that's actually ties into a great theme of this story. <laughs> Would you, how do you like the sneak introduction of Selena Kyle? Did you know it was her? Um, when I first saw her, like when I first turned the page and it was, a beautiful girl, beautiful brunette girl just randomly. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was wondering when we were going to get her, uh, you know? And so like that, that ran through my mind and that's who I thought of. But then <laughs> they did a good job of like saying, Oh, my six year old daughter is in like the next room, you yeah, know? And like, keep it down. she lives there. Yeah. Like, uh, and so like that all went through my brain, but then it, it didn't like amount to anything. At, at first not yet yeah yeah and so i was just like oh that was weird i wonder who that was you know and then yeah. it's like literally the last page of the whole book is her in a in a well i think right before that it gets teased because he meant to send flowers there yeah. right and then uh it some guy opened up and said no one lives here and i was like ah uh, and He's then like, it I goes was robbed yeah yeah and then right underneath it, it goes under and it's like a cat looking at the cat mask and then it, you turn the page and it's her just like joyous with a bunch of cash around her. And yeah. And, and so yeah, good. I, that that's so cool that, that, I mean, now that I'm just thinking about that, like that is so cool. That's that so perfect. Such yeah. a small little introduction to, for what, I mean, I mean, I, this was, you said six years ago, 2015 yeah. where like, I don't, I'm thinking about it reading it after whole Tom King's yeah. thing, you know, like the whole wedding and everything like that. Like she's the central part of that story, yeah. not including Bruce, Yeah, you know, in that, in the whole like current Batman run. I and, so, agree. and so reading this after that, and then to think that like this writer decided to not do, not mention her in book one. Yeah. And then to just barely tease her in book two without like an actual like promise of um that there was going to be a book three yeah it's so cool i think it was the most the best way to do catwoman yeah like 
because that's how Selena Kyle would would come into your life, mm-hmm. which would be you wouldn't even see her coming and you wouldn't know she was there until the bomb drops and oh, I checked, I just checked my pockets and yeah. my my wallet, my watch is gone and it was like oh, it's yeah, I I like that, I really like that he met like non costume yeah just super devious so devious that she's gonna show you her face first yeah, yeah you yeah. know like that's how like that's how smart smart she is and that's how like devious she can she can really be you know like she's not the nicest and most perfect person like and my my cat not anne hathaway oh really yeah where it's like she has the look for oh. sure um but like i don't know anne hathaway just seems so sweet She's my favorite. She's my favorite Catwoman I've seen. I don't know. I really love Michelle Pfeiffer too. They're just so, they're, they're very much products of their time and yeah. the, and the stories they're based off of. Mm-hmm. So this is a great, you know, I, you know, that when it comes to characters I love, I just think Catwoman is one of the most compelling comic book characters. Yeah. Bar, bar none. And she, I, when, when, when she's written well, she's written, like, you know, kind of like Batman. When he's written well, he's written really well. And when she's written well, she's she's really well done. And so I think, again, you know, Lois Lane doesn't have her own solo series, and Catwoman has had several. And so that just kind of shows you the staying power and the influence of this character. And I think this is probably, if I was to rank moments, I think, top five Catwoman moments, this would be up there for yeah. sure, I think. And, and, because there's, so. there's nothing that has quite the staying power that that has. Um, I'm super curious to know how, uh, is it Zoe Kravitz yeah. that's going to be Catwoman? She's yeah. going to be, I feel like she's got to be like a pretty dark and like grungy I think she's going to be perfect. Yeah. I think uh, there's a show, and I, I talked about it with Lauren Vera because I've had her read a couple uh, Catwoman books. I, I gave her Black Widow, then I gave her a couple Catwoman books, and I'm just like, how do you... I asked her, how'd you like these? Because uh, you like Darwin Cook. I think you have my copy of New Frontier right now. Yeah, yeah. He is my favorite. He did it a couple arcs on Catwoman, and it was just my absolute, like, perfect perfection, like, chef's kiss take on her. And uh, I gave that to Lauren Vera, and I was like, okay, now how cool she is in this story. Just imagine how cool Zoe Kravitz is, because Zoe Kravitz is just, like, inherently cool. And no. I'm like, oh, that's I'm She's just so rad. excited. I'm just so excited to see the Selena Kyle that – she has going on and i just i wish i how's this i wish that this moment would have happened in the movie mm-hmm. and i think it still could but it's like we'll know who selena is and like they can't surprise us like they did in this one and i'm like oh dude the cast of that movie is really really good paul dano as riddler is my modern casting and i mean this my all-time favorite casting choice for a super villain i think dude Oh, what's that movie? Prisoners? Have you seen Prisoners? Oh, yes. Dude, I think everyone just needs to watch Prisoners before that movie and just know that this person is creepy. Oh, man. I think Paul Dano is just the most underrated American actor. Yeah, I think. he's go, great. Go watch Prisoners. My my favorite with him in it is There Will Be Blood. But then if you like the Beach Boys, go watch uh, Love and Mercy, where he plays like mentally kind of... Uh, unavailable Brian Wilson, who's a genius in that way, but he's just not all there. And he, the, the dude has such range. And then if you want to see him play a slimy character, there will be blood. You want to see him play someone super creepy prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That movie. Dude. Girlfriend? And then, and then the guy that's playing, uh, uh, Jordan or Jordan, Gordon, 
Uh, he oh, was Jeffrey in, Wright. Did you ever see Westworld? Yes. Dude, he's so good in that show. He's so he's he's a great actor. Yeah. And that's and yeah, we're gonna see more than one property with him in it because he's doing they're doing a Gotham Central show, mm. and so he's gonna be Commissioner Gordon for that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited! Wow, it's gonna be so lucky good. us, man. Lots of things to look forward to. Um, okay, wait, how, what is what has your relationship been with Killer Croc? Um, less than zero. <laughs> so much so that my question is: Are there any iterations where he actually looks like a crocodile? Um, no, this one's pretty true to the, okay. The well, that's what I was going to ask is like, mm, they've been talking about killer croc. I've heard that name a thousand times. Don't know if I've actually seen a, him. I, I couldn't think of it. And then he came out and then I was like, mm, no, I haven't just what, what's the <laughs> bringing up Spider-Man again. Right. What's the equivalent to him in the, the lizard. Is that what he's called in Spider-Man? The lizard. I, there's a big lizard guy, yeah. Yeah. He, he looked kind of like him. Oh, oh, in, in the Amazing Spider-Man, the first Andrew Garfield one, that villain it is the lizard. In the movie, yeah. and then in the in the Nick Spencer Amazing Spider-Man series. Yeah, uh, he's in there. Yeah. Like, he's his professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Kurt Connors, the lizard. Okay, yeah. He looked just like him. Kind of the same thing. What I'm trying to say, long story short, actually short story long, uh, <laughs> is us. that I have literally zero zero relationship with that character yeah um i think well then okay not knowing anything about that character really uh, he's he's a b-lister that's mm-hmm. that's really that's all you need to know about him he, he's a, he's a behind the scenes batman villain uh very i i put him on the same par as like calendar man or oh, okay uh maybe calendar man's like almost c-list for a bat batman is such great villains it's like hard to find a b-lister but he's just kind of in in he's usually like a hench person not really capable of like putting on his own scheme but being around he's he, they they they've given him uh other series like gotham city monsters where he's like thrived in those ones but this one is just kind of like okay like again he's peripheral so it, it's, a, it's he's a cool character i mean or i guess I guess I more so feel that like it was cool the way that Jeff Johns used him in this story where it's yeah. like it wasn't um you know like he had kind of the same framework of main villain and then there's also like a little daily villain you know like that a lot of different like superhero TV shows use and superhero like a bunch of different comics use, but there's like kind of the main overarching villain for the whole season yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or book. Yeah, very and then it's like, and then it's just kind of the one that they kind of have to deal with just today. Like they got to get it done today yeah. while they can't figure out the other one, the whole season or the whole, the whole book. And so like, that was evidently what they did. He did with birthday boy, you know, like he, yeah. he was like the main in the face villain of that book. And then, the old overarching was obviously penguin. And so I thought it was going to be kind of the same similar thing where it was going to be like the Riddler, the, the overarching and then killer croc was just like the one they had to head on. Yeah. But it was interesting that he took it a different way and was like, Oh no, this guy actually kind of like doesn't hate yeah, people. <laughs> you he, know, people like, hate him. Yeah. He just has this messed up thing happen to him and he's somehow trying to deal with it, you know? Yeah. So and it was, that was another one of my favorite kind of moments too, where it was like, uh, I like one of the the Bruce Wayne or uh, the 
Commissioner Gordon's cell phone moment where you're like, you, they have this whole conversation and Bruce is like, what's wrong with you? Like, why do you look like that? And then the, they have their whole conversation and then Killer Croc's just like, yeah, but like, what are you wearing? Because I'm like, because <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. Like, oh, of course, Batman's talking to him because he's Batman, and that's how bats mm-hmm. look. Da, 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 da. Like, that's how he's looked for 80 years, and it only makes sense because that's it. And then this guy, who, yeah, he looks like a lizard. He knows humanity though. He like he has been a human, yeah. and he sees humans. He knows what style is. Yeah, still. he like, knows what people like what people's faces look like. And so when he sees a man in a bat costume, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're so right. And that's just one of those things again, like if we were just to be introduced fresh to these characters, those would be our reactions. Mm -hmm. And I just think it also wasn't done excessively, which I really appreciate in the story. It's like the, the ones where it did happen, it was just perfect. Um, you know, I really liked this story. Um, okay. There there was definitely, there was another moment that I got to bring up with kind of along the same lines as the moment where I can't remember. Is he talking to, Jessica Dent, or I forget who he's talking to. It might have been Gordon, where, uh, like, he's a he's not a good detective. Gordon. Dude, yes. that's wild to me. He literally oh is detective comics. Like, he is a yeah. detective. Like, that's every Batman I've ever seen, like, runs fren- forensics, like, knows how to do the whole thing faster than any other real-life detective. And yet, in this one, it's just like, I, I'm not a detective. You know, like I, I fight. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so like that was that was that was super interesting and really funny to me. No, you're right. And actually, I remember uh, w- uh, when they were doing press for this book because that was around the time where DC All Access was a thing. I don't know if you've ever watched mm-hmm. that, but um, they they were interviewing Jeff Johns about this book right before it came out. And I was I used to watch those all the time. I, they used to do them every Tuesday, and then they actually did them five days a week, which was the best for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, new episode today. Um, but they did. They talked to Jeff Johns, and that was one of the scenes he was most proud of. Mm. Where, like, he's like, "This my take on Batman is so different." And so they're like, "Yeah, like, could you give us an example?" And he says, "There's a scene where he's talking to Gordon, and you know, he's Gordon says, Gordon's like, you're stepping on evidence.'" And Batman's like, "What?" And then he says, "You're not much of a detective, are you?" And it's like, you know, it's the least Batman thing that could ever happen. But like we said last week, into this one, they're leaning into his his humanity. Yeah. Which is like, that's the part that's like so accessible about him. And that's, I really liked it. I really yeah. did. Um, I, I, it makes sense. Like, uh, it makes sense as to why, like, why he might need Gordon more. You know, like he, there was literally a handful of times where he actually needed Gordon's help. Like he needed yeah. Gordon's information. And I, I don't get that in a lot of stories where it kind of just seems like, Oh, he feels bad, so he's gonna let like the one trustworthy guy in Gotham like in on what he's doing and help him out a little bit. But this this book, like he he needed Gordon, so yeah, yeah, I I love it, I love it all. It was good. Okay, I I, I want to go into one more thing. How did you feel? But there's I, I got like three more questions for you. How did you feel about the end where Jessica Dent, like Harvey's face catches on fire because someone puts like a, uh, what's it called? A Molotov cocktail, like smashed mm-hmm. it against his face. I was like, that's a good origin in my opinion. I'm like, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and then like, well, he, that makes sense why he's scarred. Uh, how did you feel about Jessica putting her face up against his and then us never seeing the second half of her face? Right. Um, Do you think that's set up for a, a, a double two-face action? I mean... 
Yeah, I don't know what else it would mean. Like, it literally was, it literally, it showed her being, like, like having two different um, personalities. Yeah, it, it showed it showed that it that did not a- it did not show that for Harvey in this book. Not yet. Which was which was, which I mean, at this current point, we haven't read the third one. That's really odd to me. That like. I don't know, Jeff Johns would, like, th- throw those cards down right here, right now, that, like, she was weird. Like, it would make more It would make more sense to me, like, if I were writing it, to, like, just show her in the hospital bed, like, uh, her face is burnt, but not, like, show that she's actually showing signs of being two-faced. Yeah. Um, where, like, and then in the third book, like, the second page of it, it's, like, her being two different people. Yeah. You know, so I uh, I mean that was that was just an interesting choice. Like I, I'm curious to see how it plays out in the third third book. Yeah, it's going to be it's like walking on eggshells almost. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like how but I like not knowing and I like that's that's kind of my favorite part about things like this and adaptations especially is like okay, like don't regurgitate the same story I've heard before. Like give me something new. And so this is a brand new character. And so he literally, he can just do whatever he wants with her. Yeah. And that's what I'm most excited to finding out yeah. about, you know? And yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really excited to read volume three. Okay. Last two questions. Or I guess it's now it's three questions. I could have forgot my, my last one always. Uh, who is your favorite character in this volume? Oh man. You're like Barbara Gordon. <laughs> she would be if she was in it more. Um, dude, I I just the Riddler was just so good. Oh, good. The Riddler was just a good villain in this. It, honestly, I, I think I'm gonna have to give it to the Riddler. The subway scene was probably my favorite. Yeah, scene. Uh, yeah. The the Riddler, and then I like Bruce a lot a lot more in this this book. But uh, I think I'm gonna have to give it to the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah, the Riddler was great. Oh man, you're I think you're right. I honestly think I think the scene where he blows up the train anyways was mm-hmm. perfection. Um and yeah, nobody I don't know, nobody like quite surprised me. Also, uh actually maybe maybe Harvey Bullock. Yeah. Uh, like we talked we put Riddler was great, but mm-hmm. I think Harvey Bullock's like the like not the completion, but like the arc that he went on and like, you know, it, it shows, I just really appreciate there being ramifications because I think that's something that gets lost along modern comic storytelling, like different arcs and stuff like that. How, or even if a different writer picks up where someone mm-hmm. left off and doesn't care about the decision that was made as much, it's like, it, it shows that Jeff Johns, and that's the best part of a story or a series like this, where we can have just a linear vision. And that's the one, to bring up Spider-Man again. That's what makes Ultimate Spider-Man so great is like we had a linear story being told the whole time and it was all referring back to itself in mm-hmm. the same same mind is putting all those pieces together. Yeah. And so that being so relevant in that, I, I thought it was so great. And to see kind of Harvey take the turn to becoming the Harvey we know, I'm like, in my head, honestly, I think that's going to be canon. Just like, that's, it was so good. Um... What was your favorite moment? Uh, for me, uh, we we mentioned the subway a couple times. That's my favorite uh, moment. Yeah, that that moment, and then talking about it more, the the whole like the the Catwoman oh, scene right. is super good too. It, it's tough. It's really tough. I I like both of those moments a lot. 
Um, yeah, kind of. No, none of the other ones like stick out. Like, there's so many good moments in this that's, in this story yeah, that are great. like good, but I think those two are just like top tier. Yeah, you know, you know what? Also, moments we didn't even talk about, but I think need to be mentioned that I absolutely love. Uh, uh, Lucius Fox and oh, talking to yeah, the team. Yeah, that's hilarious. Because he's hilarious. Like, they're like, "What the hell? Like, we just worked on this and da da da." Yeah. Then you see using the tech they're working on, and then they're like, "We made this thing like the size of a contact lens." And, <laughs> and I was like, "It was super cool how you." That would just be so like Bruce Wayne. He's just like, "I need this one little thing." Like in my mind, it's one little thing, but yeah. it's also like there's obviously a team of scientists and tech people that make all of Batman's gadgets and gizmos, you know, like he's not typically sitting in the workshop doing all those things himself, you know? So like to see like how that actually would work out as like, he tells Lucius Fox one thing and then he's like, Oh crap. I just got to go tell the team. And then he's like, Oh, but you also have like, a crazy raise yeah. your kids and grandkids are going to go to college for free. Yeah. Like, and then for sure, everyone's just like, Oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll do whatever you need me to do. Yeah, there's, and like, there's nothing Bruce can do about yeah. it, which is like, like, you know, there's not that he's helpless, but mm-hmm. it's like the times that we can see Bruce be a little bit powerless in, in, in that kind of way. I love, and yeah. so, uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I glad you, that. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was thinking about that as reading it. it as part, those parts are really funny. He's a good character. And like, again, like, his reactions to the uh, to the questions that he gets we've taken for granted for a long time mm-hmm. and so they're just kind of like okay let's let's actually think about how that would really go uh we're really good so i'm glad uh okay uh, last question what would you rate this story out of 10 oh man th- i think i gave book one a seven and a half mm-hmm. um i gotta give this one at least a full point up which I think I'm going to throw an 8.5 out there. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to give this a nine. Oh yeah. I Heck really yeah. enjoyed it. Like, yeah. and all like, you know, yeah. And, and oh, we didn't even mention yet too, but like Gary Frank's art. Oh, I think this book, especially like, I think this yeah. one, even more than the last one, the costume was amazing. I think I realized too, in this one, the way he like draws Bruce's face, Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's the eyebrows for me and the eyes Yeah. very specifically. I'm just like, Oh, there's a lot of really good splash pages in this book too. He just goes off. And we need to mention, uh, one second, Brad Anderson, who is the colorist and John Sabal. I think those are the anchor and the colorist and they are so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, this book was beautiful. So beautiful. And every character is so distinct. And again, I think when it comes to all time DC character, DC character artists, uh, Gary Frank is one of the most wonderful. Yeah, man. I'm just looking at the subway scene again and hit Batman's face throughout. This is just like, so, um, like there's so much emotion in this Batman, you know, where it's not like the cartoon Batman and he just has the same straight face kind of the whole time. It's like, man, these are like life and death situations, you know, Mm -hmm. like as we've said time and time again, like it's just like a much more realistic adaptation of the Batman story. Yeah. It still isn't the most realistic thing in the world, but I'm also closer. I'm I'm incredibly grateful in these books that it, it, it doesn't, 
that he's not interacting with Superman or the Justice League or going into outer space. Like, I'm so glad these are just taking place in Gotham because the stakes are so much higher. Yeah. It feels, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh man, like Joker broke everyone out of prison again and Batman's <laughs> around them all up and da da da. Is Gotham gonna, the heart of Gotham gonna survive? It's like, oh no, like we need to find the Riddler because it doesn't matter if we answer his stupid riddles or not now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's like, it, it's terrifying. And I love that. So. It was good. Yeah. I'm glad. Okay, well, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on Cam Reads Comics today. Uh, really excited to go read Earth 1 Volume 2 now, or Volume 3 now. And so uh, we will see you next week. Remember, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to uh, clobber those like and subscribe buttons, as well as, again, leave us a five-star rating and review. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and we will see you guys later.